Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. we got a real cool guest sitting on the other side of our screen, hailing from... No, I'm struggling. Just... <laughs> I've been watching a lot of wrestling documentaries lately. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to do the whole wrestling announcement. You like thing. to do the wrestling announcement. So I don't know if you know. Uh, so, hey, everyone, you it's have to do a weigh-in first. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's probably a bad idea to ask people, can you tell me your weight so I can announce it? Yeah, let's not, let's not do that. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Amanda, and we are back. Uh, just coming off of uh, the Massage Therapy Association of Manitoba Spring that was Conference, fun, man. That it was, was super a, fun. I worked like a dog. Like you did. I'm, this is this is what happened, folks. This is what happened. Ready? I was asked. We were asked to, as two massage therapists in a microphone, to do their panel discussion that yes. happened on Friday evening. So they had a full day of classes on Friday. Then Friday evening was a panel discussion, and then there was a general networking. Their annual general meeting was And then the other meeting, then they had a a networking event. Then Saturday was full-day courses again. Then Sunday was virtual. All right, so they asked us to to host the panel, and we're like, yeah, that's cool. And then they also asked, like, can can you teach them stuff? And we're like, yeah, sure, sure, I can teach them stuff. And I was like, do me a favor then. Let's do this. Let's not even talk money. Because I like to exchange stuff. I like to I like to barter for things that I feel are more valuable than whatever whatever you think you want to pay me, right? Because I'll burn through that and it won't make a difference at the end of the day. So I'd rather barter for something. So I said this, I'll teach as much as you want, but can you get the whole massage therapy media team? Will you take them all out there? Will you fly us all out there, house us for a little bit, do that kind Let of stuff? Let us film some stuff, do all the media coverage for the Yeah, events. and they said yes, and we had a really good time. And I taught a full-day course on Friday, some joint mobilization stuff. I taught a full-day course on Saturday, some temporal mandibular joint stuff. And then I taught a virtual course on Sunday morning. And Whenever we have discussions, whenever I have discussions with the rest of the team and they start talking about things that they're doing, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's slow down, guys. I lived a very, very fucking different weekend yeah. at the same event than you guys did. Like, I have no idea when you guys start talking about all the cool things you did and the names of people that you hung out with and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I, I, I don't, I, I lived a different life. Well, if any of the MTM staff are listening, uh, shout out to them. They really, they really ran with that. Um, Mark will teach whatever you want <laughs> as long as the whole team could come but yeah we had a great event so we're back and we are speaking to another therapist and educator and one that has so many certifications i said to her listen you're gonna have to you have to do your own introduction because i'm gonna forget there's a it's laundry a, a laundry list of letters behind her name like but we've got lee uh from bc and i actually didn't ask her before we started lee what city are you in right now i am on salt spring island salt spring island it sounds know, fancy i don't know anything about about that part of the country. No, actually, Zero. BC is the one province in Canada I have never been to. So, do you, do you plan I, on going, or I, I assume at or, some point or, in my or life, fuck I will. It, it's just too far. It is very <laughs> far. You guys are very far away. <laughs> oh, you've got to see your own country. You do, yeah. and that's the the one place I haven't been. And I'd I'm rather sure go it's to our happy spot. Happy our spot. happy spot, I believe, is your happy spot. At least my happy spot. <gasps> is your happy right, spot. you guys have that in common. I forgot. Yeah. I'd rather, oh I'd rather yeah, go right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'd rather go hang out in the, this little sleepy uh, surf town. It's a little little beach beach place. You should do a contest. Anyone who's listened to us very often, 
What is the name of the sleepy surfer town in Florida Shark, that Mark likes to Shark travel bite to? Shark capital of the Shark world. Bite ca- that's a hint. Shark bite capital of the world. Well, Lee also uh, visits there. And that's uh, that possibly is how the two of them started talking. But then we found out she does all this cool stuff. She's worked in a bunch of different states and different provinces and probably has a lot of experience and knowledge to share uh, with our listeners. So I'm going to stop talking it. and let Lee introduce herself. So Lee, for everyone listening, um, a little bit about you, how you got into massage and some of your massage journey up to this point. Hey there. Thank you both for having me on your show. It's really uh, it's really great to be here. And I think that probably is how Mark and I first uh, yeah, connected you. over social media was I, I must have posted some photos of that hidden gem mm-hmm. in Florida that will remain nameless aside <laughs> from Shark Bite Capital. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it a drinking town with a shark problem. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense. I love that. So I'm uh, I'm on Salt Spring Island in British Columbia, which is an island between the mainland. So if you were to go to, uh, say, from Vancouver and take a ferry heading toward Victoria, you would go th- pass through these islands. And I live on one of those islands. Uh, and I've... Um, I'll just say I've been an RMT. I graduated in 1990. So that's why I have so many titles. I've been been, uh, working on everything for a long time. I just love to study and I love to grow. Uh, So I'm an RMT. I've been registered in BC, still registered in BC, uh, Ontario, Um, Nova Scotia, which, you know, it's different there, but they do call themselves RMT and I've practiced in Vermont, which is, which is, or was unlicensed in any way at the time I was there and I'm licensed in Hawaii. Um, so my other titles are yoga has been a part of my life for a very long time. So I'm a, a certified Iyengar yoga teacher, uh, teacher trainer, uh, in, um, Kripa Foundation Iyengar Yoga, recognized by Yoga Alliance International, yoga therapist with the International Association of Yoga Therapy. And then another thing that I've been interested in the last few years is how we die. And I'm a a certified end-of-life care doula and death midwife. And so I'll just leave it there. Uh, for that part. That's a lot of stuff. You guys can see now why I had to have her introduce herself, right? That's a lot of different things you've done. I really want to start right at the beginning with you, Lee. How did you get into this profession? I mean, as you said, you've been doing this since 1990. Um, what inspired you to get into massage and body work? Well, uh, I was already uh, practicing yoga and that sort of lifestyle already appealed to me. I liked a lifestyle that I thought would give back more than it takes. And uh, I was, you know, quite young at the time, too. And I'd met in a couple of different contexts, I'd met people who were practicing massage therapy. And I, and I, I thought it was very sounded very cool. And I liked them and what they were doing. So I started to explore that through uh, workshops that were available at that time. And, and then I decided to go for it. And I, um, applied to the West Coast College of Massage Therapy, which was uh, close to Maine and Hastings at that time in Vancouver. It was the only uh, only uh, WCCMT at the time mm-hmm. and uh, and had a blast. There were about 60 of us in our program. It was a 
2,400 hour program, I think, 2,500, something like that. It was an hours-based program, made great friends there who I still am friends with today. And then many of whom are still practicing. That's really cool. Do you run on island time? You know, I've been thinking that so the, from the minute you said you're on an island, every true island person I know, and now knowing that you like the sleepy surfer town and knowing that you've practiced in Hawaii, you just strike me as a very laid back kind of person, not really in a rush. Like doesn't own a watch? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I want to I, I hear from Lee. Do you run mm. on island time? Well, I don't remember the last time I owned a watch. It's like I don't remember the last time I had a job, uh, but uh but I do have a cell phone and I can, but I, I'm a little bit, I have to say, I'm a little bit OCD. I'm a little bit island time, a little bit OCD. I, uh, when I, when I teach yoga, it really kind of comes out everything, all the, the yoga props, have, everything has to be very particular for people to have the right experience in the, in the practice. So uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get into like your your practice? What I mean, you've bounced all over the place. Give me a timeline from the time you finished at Western College, you become licensed. Did you get right into practicing uh, solo practice? Were you working at clinics, spas? A little bit of history. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, and I have moved around quite a bit. And I just to speak to that, I think people who stay in one place, uh, that works really, really well. But I just am a bit more nomadic. So, you know, you have to start again when you do that. But then I developed a, you know, I started leading retreats internationally. So then it didn't really matter as much where I was based. But then to begin with, I graduated. I worked in uh, East Van for a while at a great clinic on Commercial Drive that's still there. Uh, owned by uh, uh, Paula Bethune, a good friend, great person to work with, and four. And so that was a really positive experience, which, uh, you know, when I read some of the experiences that RMTs are having starting out, I'm just so grateful for that, for that experience, that introduction. Uh, and then eventually I made my way back to the Gulf Islands. And so um, spent many years on Galliano Island. They'd opened up a new healthcare center and they were I wanted to populate that with a variety of healthcare practitioners. So I went into there for six years, uh, worked, uh, you know, side by side with the, the physician there at the time, uh, which was really great. So I had that opportunity right away. I got involved with the closer to home uh, movement, uh, which was a, a government uh, initiative at the time, which sort of fell away. The idea was wanting to uh, decentralize and get more services to rural populations, which, um, uh, you know, sort of, I don't know what happened to that kind of disappeared for a while. Then as my daughter got a little older, I decided to go to Victoria and I opened a multidisciplinary clinic there um, that I owned uh, and ran for about seven years. And uh, there was uh, other massage therapists. What makes you want to go from working for someone where you had a really good experience to, uh, you know, let me just open a multidisciplinary clinic. Let me just give that a go. How does that like, why? Just out of curiosity. Well, when I worked in the um, clinic on Galliano, I was completely self-employed. I wasn't employed by anybody there. So uh, I don't just, um, I mean, before I became a massage therapist, if I can back up a little more too, I commercial fish for three years. Like I'm used to being self-employed. I can't, I honestly can't remember the last job I had. Um, aside from maybe here and there, like when I first graduated, but otherwise I'm just, it's in my nature to work for myself. 
and um, and I just I, there's more opportunity for growth. I can I control my life. I control my hours. I control uh, how uh, I control my message. But why move from just being self-employed, just worrying about yourself to I'm going to open a multi, I'm going to own a multidisciplinary yeah, that's clinic. A that's a lot more big, work, a that's lot a, more responsibility. That's a, that's a massive jump. And I'm, I'm curious as to what makes someone want to do that massive jump. Yeah. You know, that was pretty nuts. <laughs> <laughs> if we're being honest, <laughs> that was, uh, that was a, one of those things that, um, I don't know. I just, I just needed to try. Um, I just, whatever it pulled me toward it, the idea of creating something, I, I just, this is my way of being creative, my practice, my work, you know, being an entrepreneur, uh, in our field. So, and it was, it was extremely demanding. I have a lot of empathy for clinic owners and, um, yeah, so, the, but I had about maybe five people at the most, only two treatment rooms. Uh, but you know, a number of different people moving in and out of it. And then, uh, launched my daughter, uh, and then, um, met the man I'm married to now while I was still in Galliano, but I was still propelled to, you know, carry on with my own theme. And, uh, we decided he's American. So then we decided to get married and we all moved to Vermont. Uh, and that was a choice we had to make based on, uh, all the the complications of marrying someone from another country. And so I went to Vermont where massage therapy is not at all regulated. But while also while I was in Victoria, that's when I really decided to become a yoga teacher because during all of this time, while I was practicing as a massage therapist, I was showing uh, my patients different yoga moves, different yoga positions uh, that they could do that I felt would be helpful to them. And I wanted to educate myself more on this. So then I uh, embarked on a three-year yoga teacher training program during the time I was in Victoria. And uh, so then taught yoga, uh, ran a clinic, practiced as a massage therapist. So when you're when you're doing all this stuff, are you putting a pause on some of these other things or are you just piling everything on top of each other? Oh, it's not piling. It's it's um complementary. Yeah. So like does your does your practice slow down when you decide I'm going to do some yoga training or is your practice is still as thriving and full as it was and you're just adding this to, you know, your timeline that your days now become you know, longer and a little bit more intense? Or are you pulling back on some of these things? Because I know a whole bunch of people that want to do a bunch of different things. They have this kind of restless creativity. I like that. I heard in that Adam Sandler Kennedy Center honors thing. Uh, I can't remember someone, 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 someone described him as having a restless creativity. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you seem to have this restless creativity, but I, and I know a bunch of people that do as well, but they don't feel they can fit everything into their days. It fit everything into their balance, fit everything to life. And they don't want to let some of the stuff that they're doing slow down or go to allow this new thing in. So I'm curious, did you slow down any of these other things you were doing to allow this new stuff in or did you say, fuck it, I'm just going to add some hours to the day type of thing? Well, that's a great question. Uh, because I was at that point already growing laterally, my, I cut my massage therapy practice back to about 15 hands-on hours a week uh, during that time. And that was probably, 
mm, I'd say just fewer than 10 years into my career, uh, I cut back to about 15 hours. And then I was, I was also uh, uh, private contracting to the Y the YWCA, YMWCA in Victoria. And I was leading monthly courses there for relaxation massage for couples that I had developed. I'm doing yoga teacher training. I'm teaching yoga classes and I'm parenting. Uh, so, and then I eventually I started teaching at the massage therapy school that opened up in Victoria uh, during my time there. So I was balancing it all uh, mm. plus managing the clinic, but I also, uh, Mark, I, I made sure I had me time for my own yoga practice. And I had I had daughter time and I had me time. So I would get home from work at around 7 p.m. Say that was I tried to cap it out around 7, 7.30 p.m. And I would just go into my room and do 30 minutes of yoga. And that would be on my busy days. And then I would come out and we would work on homework, that kind of thing. I didn't have a husband at that time that I had to uh, uh, also fit in. I had my my fellow who I ended up marrying, but we were we became long distance for a while. But this is um, this is how I started to develop lateral growth. So then I and I don't do it all at once. Now I was doing it all at once for a while there, mm -hmm. but then say. Uh, if I just just move ahead a bit, like I lead um, I lead yoga retreats now, or I go I would go teach uh, massage therapy in Maui, and I would take a two month contract there. And while I was there, I would host yoga retreats, I, and I would bring people from British Columbia to take yoga retreats with me. And I would have you know two twenty uh, people groups that would come for seven days at a time. And that would be my focus. And I wouldn't be doing hands-on massage therapy outside of teaching during that two month period. So then, um, so then I would, uh, come back and either I would have a locum depending on where I was at the time, my situation, or I would just, you know, my patients would have to, um, see somebody else while I was gone. And if they stayed with somebody else, that was fine with me. Mm -hmm. That's an island attitude. <laughs> there's always more patience uh, in BC true. anyway. I mean, there's like the, de the demand exceeds the supply drastically out here. Uh, but th that kind of segues into a bit like I've, I've developed um, a new training now, Sun Entrepreneur, where I want to teach other massage therapists how to do this, how to grow laterally so that you're, not working your brains out, that you're not overworking your body, and that you can start to earn in other areas that aren't just hands on. Right. So also, when you own a clinic, that gives you a little bit more leeway too, right? If you're if your clinic's successful, you have other sources of income coming in. Is that something you would suggest the majority of RMTs to do? Is to have other income streams that are somewhat sort of related to this because of the the nature of the work is that something you would see like if you had to if you were able to sit in front of a classroom again you know in that massage therapy college and you're the business teacher and you're talking about the real life scenarios would you would you suggest that to your class i think it's individual some people are probably quite happy doing 20 30 hours hands-on a week depending on their their nature and their physicality and all of that but for those who are interested in uh, adding, and I've had so many RMTs 
over the years tell me that they want to be doing what I'm doing. And I would I would definitely recommend uh, finding a, a lateral avenue. So for, for RMTs, unless you're, um, you know, even if you have a BA, it's very hard to uh, have an upwardly mobile career. What are the reasons that they're giving you for wanting to do what you do? They want less hands-on work. They want variety in their in their career. Do you ever get the sense that someone might have felt they made a mistake in this career and they're like, you know what, I've got a little too much going on in it. I've got a little bit too much invested in it to just completely walk away. But I don't necessarily enjoy all the stuff that I thought I would have. And and I, I, I can't walk away from it at this moment just because I'm too, I'm a little too deep into it and I don't want to start over. You know, I haven't really had people approach me with that. I've known people who have uh, walked away from the profession and have a very negative attitude about it as well. And I think it's unfortunate. It's just really, it's because it didn't work for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's not because the profession itself uh, has a, is at fault. Uh, but I think that, um, I don't know. I think that um, some massage therapists probably do get into situations where they're overcommitted, overworking. Um, but, you know, massage therapists, we um, are not all entrepreneurial by nature. Uh, so some do much better being in a situation where they're employed uh, by a clinic. And, you know, that may or may not give them a little bit more headspace to explore some other alternatives as well. There's so many things that this, this is one of the reasons why I really love this profession. There are so many bloody things that you can do and it doesn't have to be that 10 by 10 mm -hmm. Enya lavender nakedness <laughs> and oil. And that's why I love this industry. Yeah. And There's so uh, many things. So initially, when I first got into massage, um, Lee, I don't know how many of our episodes you've listened to. And I've told the story before. So I'm going to give you the Coles Nose version. But I found massage by accident. I was actually planning to do something else. Ended up taking a an interim job just to make some money. It was close to home that I could be actually sitting at a desk so that I could work on applications to go into a master's program. While there, it you know the opportunity presented itself to me, and so I decided to go for it, go to massage school. But it wasn't like something I had dreamed of, something I wanted to do. And while I was in massage school, I was already thinking. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before, but I was already thinking. I'll tell you if you have. I don't know if I want to do this like full time. Like this when seems, you were in school. it seems like an interesting career. It's you know I enjoy it. I like I like when learning about school, it. Yeah, that. while I was yeah okay. So it was something I was like I don't know if this would be if this would ever be my full time career. I think massage could be a cool side hustle, or as you said, I, it could be there to complement something else. So I started thinking about what else could I do, you know, maybe something to do with fitness, because that was my original career path. Maybe I will do some personal training and massage. I started to get into yoga actually in my early 20s. I went to massage school in my late 20s. So I was like, oh, maybe something to do with yoga. Right. I considered yoga teacher training. There was all these things I was thinking about. I even started thinking about, you know, maybe getting into nutrition somehow and doing something. It was just like, there were so many possibilities of things that I could add on, but I was like, massage is a good place to start. And then I'll see where I end up. And I did end up making all these lateral moves, but nothing to do with any of my original thoughts. I got a couple questions then. Do you think that because you didn't have to pay for school with money because of the scenario that you were in for work, 
threw you into this a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah, definitely. I I didn't have to really think too hard about whether or not I wanted to take the program because there was no financial investment. Right. Yes, it was my time and my energy. But it's different though. But it, it's it's different. It's I was different super beast. young. So again, it's not like I felt like, you know, wasted it would have been a waste of two years right. of my life. I was in my twenties. So, you know, if I never ended up really getting that invested in it, I wouldn't have felt like I wasted time. And there was nothing to stop me from still going to like a postgrad or doing, you know, going back to university after because I was so young. So, so you yes. never even entered massage therapy school thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to be a practitioner when I'm finished this, like that's going to be my gig. I know I entered with a very large question mark. Like right now, it, it was the same when I went into university though. When I went into kinesiology mm-hmm. in university, it wasn't because I had this really strong passion and desire to be a kinesiologist. Right. It was that these are the subjects I'm actually really good at and that interest me. You know, going to an anatomy class to me, I'm like, this is interesting. I like learning this. I'm good at this. So let's see where it leads me. I didn't really have a plan. And I like that you keep describing your growth. I, I was going to stop you and say, you know, I, I don't think anyone's ever said this lateral growth, this idea that it is still growth. I'm not necessarily moving up any kind of ladder. You know, I didn't open my my own, you know, giant multidisciplinary clinic. I don't have people under me, but I've got. I don't a even whole... put those as steps up on the ladder. Well, exactly. But anyway, who, who knows what you would what define it as. But yeah. since I've been a massage therapist, I've worked as a hands-on therapist. I still do to an extent, very part-time. I've worked in education. I've worked, you know, clinic supervision. I've done corporate type of work. I've done mobile massage, you know, now uh, running Conad Institute with Mark and doing the podcast and all of these conferences and our media company. Like there's been all of this lateral growth where I'm still very heavily in the profession, but I don't spend my days one-on-one with patients anymore. Yeah, that's that's a, a really good part of it. And I really like what you have done, by the way, with the massage media. It's very cool, very creative concept. Uh, so I would say, yes, lateral growth in my activities, but definitely uh, an increase in my income mm-hmm. as well. It's not just maintaining my income. My income definitely expanded as well as I shifted and added. I will say I've never regretted massage therapy. I've, I've, I'm deeply appreciative of having chosen this, this profession. It just, uh, for me, it just led to so much opportunity between, as you say, teaching. And then for me as well, the yoga, which came into my life even earlier and, and that being such a part of it. And I, I did train as a personal trainer as well. So at one time I was doing yoga teacher training, personal training, a teaching groups at the Y, uh, relaxation massage, owning a clinic, practicing at the clinic. You know, that was one particular phase right there. And then uh, what I found too, and continue to find um, throughout the years, was that there was a real overlap in the people I was working with. So that the people who were coming to my uh, yoga classes were coming to me for massage therapy, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I have this great story of um, a patient, a person who still uh, does yoga with me um, in, and she's in Nova Scotia. She attends a, one of my online classes. Uh, I'd been away in, uh, she'd been coming to me for massage therapy for her back uh, care for a, a, a few years. And I was on one of my, you know, trips to um, 
Maui or India or somewhere. I was gone for a couple of months. And when I came back, I had somebody uh, teaching my yoga classes for me, I think, you know, part of the time. Uh, but no one was doing massage therapy for me. But when I came back, um, uh, and she'd been taking yoga with me for a couple of years at that time. When I came back, uh, she didn't come back in for massage therapy, but she was still taking yoga classes with me. And after a, a couple of months of, of, of my being back and her taking yoga classes with me, one day uh, at the end of class, she said, you know, I didn't find another massage therapist. And I just put up my hand. I said, none of my business. And, and she said, no, uh, the yoga has just helped my back so much. I don't need to keep coming for massage therapy anymore. And I said, perfect. Uh, so she was still working with me, but in a different context now. Yeah, it's great that you could offer different options for somebody like that. You know, maybe the yoga was absolutely all she needed. She didn't need to come for massage. And that's perfectly fine and fantastic. I want to go back for a sec for the, for the lateral growth, but also the uptick in income. How much how much of an incentive was it was the uptick in the income, or are we doing this just because this is just a direction that I want to take the the work that I do in, and whether I can gain from it financially or not, who cares? I'm doing it, or was that a a factor in deciding these are things that I'm going to do? Uh, I would say no, it wasn't a factor. For one reason, I had no idea there would be an uptick in income uh, as a result. I was just ch- mixing it up, changing up my you know, what I was doing. Uh, And then it was also when it comes to, um, say, running workshops and retreats and whatnot, uh, you're familiar with running workshops. And I've run retreats internationally, I've taken, I've taken people to five or six different countries, um, some of them uh, repeatedly. And I've had to, especially in the beginning, but even still, you have to learn to weigh risk. And there's always a chance of, of tanking mm-hmm. uh, on it, right? Uh, because you have to book these venues a year out. And they uh, they have their policies as well. So then you have to find venues, build relationships. All of this was a real investment of my, um, my energy and my mind state. And... Uh, and then I didn't know, you know, you wouldn't know. You'd book off the time. So you'd have booked off the time. So there's, if the income doesn't come in from running the retreat, it's not coming in from mm-hmm. anywhere else. Yep. I, I'm happy you mentioned that because I know a lot of people that are interested in running courses and workshops and all the rest of it. And I can't stress this enough. Once you start to do that, your job shifts. Your job shifts from being the educator to being the person that has to fucking market this thing. Like my job is no longer the guy that stands at the front of the class and, 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 and passes on this information to you in an educational way. My job now becomes my nine to five now becomes I, I'm full on in marketing mode. Yep. I'm constantly in marketing mode. And, and I, if you're going to get into this game, I think you gotta, you gotta, if you are thinking about making a shift into this game, staying in the game for the long haul you really have to do that mindset shift of it's well beyond just being an educator that's not my job the majority of the time 90 percent has got nothing to do with teaching stuff at this point yeah that is so true you have to be a desktop publisher um you have to be uh willing to weigh odds you have to uh you have to be computer literate 
there's a there's a lot that goes behind it. I call it the the, the hustle mm-hmm. part of of being an entrepreneur in in a field like this. But what I what I love is not too long ago I was listening to and I've heard it a few times now because these you know celebrities are out there chatting a lot more uh, in the in the World Wide Web, and it's just so interesting to hear really famous celebrities like uh, Woody Harrelson and all these different people, uh, Owen Wilson, talk about hustling. Like when you, if you're not making a movie right now, you don't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so even for people of who you think of as being, you know, in the multimillion dollar sort of range or of uh, lifestyle, they also have to maintain what they've got, so they, they don't even relax between films. No, Absolutely. you have to. You have to stay relevant. We've we've talked about that over and over. Yeah. It, it must suck when you when when <laughs> you don't know when you're going to get paid again. You have no idea, and it's like my agent get me more stuff, get me more auditions, get me in touch with these people, and you're constantly doing that because if you don't there's a chance that you don't know where you're going to get your next paycheck from. Yeah. That's it's yeah, like very, the toughest gig. I, I liked when um, you were talking about the weighing the risks, Lee, because yeah, when you are an entrepreneur, of course, there's always risks that come along with anything. But you had mentioned that, you know, the driving factor of this lateral growth for you was not necessarily money because you don't know if there's going to be money. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's great that there was an uptick in your income, but everything that you do when you're an entrepreneur, there's always a chance that not only is, you know, it's possibly going to tank, but you've already invested time and money. And like you said, if you're not, if the course isn't running or if, you know, that fails, you've not, it's not just you're not getting paid. You've also lost money. And that's yeah. a, that's a massive, massive risk. And you really have to be a certain type of person and really enjoy that. What did you call it? The restless creativity. You've got to enjoy that aspect of like, this is something really interesting. I think I could do this. I think this would be a great addition to my career. I'm going to go for it. And once you go for it, you know, Mark likes to call it that point of no return. You just, you got to keep your mindset in that this is, I'm doing you know what, this. Though, I'm working just, towards this. Just from talking with a whole bunch of people, I find a couple things happen. One, people pull out too early or two, they pull the trigger too early. Mm-hmm. They pull out too early because they 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 don't recognize that or they haven't, they, they just can't see how much more work needs to be involved in this. But if you did and you sacrificed and you hustled, you're going to be happy as shit five years from now. Mm-hmm. But it takes a little bit of eating dirt right now. Or I've seen the reverse where you pull the trigger too quickly. You haven't done all the background work. You haven't laid all the foundation and you hustle it too hard, right? You try to get that product out there too quick. You try to get this thing out too quick. You think this is the right timing for it. And the timing is just not right, especially for the foundation that you've built right now. Has that ever happened to you, Lee? Have you ever had this like this idea of something you want to add to your business and you just pull the trigger too quickly and it it fails? You know, I, I didn't have any uh, model to go by. I, I I didn't know anybody else who was doing what I wanted to do. So I didn't have any mentors for it. So I started, I started smaller. I started with local uh, courses, leading local courses, uh, designing courses, putting it out there, see who is interested in what I had to offer, you know, getting them uh, 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 recognized for CUs early helped. Uh, because that came into effect in BC in the in the 90s, the requirement for CUs. 
So that was helpful too, when it came to wanting to market to massage therapists. But I started small, low risk, uh, developed what it was I was offering, got feedback, learned. And then I gradually went, well, okay, uh, we never, we how, how many people would like to go to Maui and write it off as a business mm. expense? And so the first time I, and I went to Maui a couple of times and I was hosted by other uh, yoga studios and people came and studied with me at these other, other yoga studios, arranged their own accommodations. So then eventually I felt uh, confident enough to approach uh, a retreat center and worked with a retreat center. And the first time I hosted a retreat on Maui, it was uh, smaller than I had hoped it would be, but I worked with the retreat host and we just downsized the uh, accommodation and he freed up accommodation for something else. So I didn't end up getting stuck with that bill. And I worked with that. I worked with that fellow for like 10 years. I hosted all my Maui uh, retreats at that venue because it's a very, it's a fabulous plantation venue, but also because of the experience I had. But anytime, uh, like there was one time I've taken groups to Cuba. I've taken groups to Cuba twice, and I was invited once to teach a group of Cubans, uh, which was very, very cool. Uh, but the, one of the times, uh, so a fourth time, well, sort of third, it was in the middle somewhere, uh, I decided to pull out. I'd made a deposit and decided to pull out. Um, and usually a place will let you, uh, maybe forward your deposit Hmm. to another, you you secure other dates, but this group wouldn't let me do that. So that was the one and only time I, I lost a deposit on a place, never did business with them again. And then I was able to write it off as an expense. What's the Mm -hmm. lesson learned from something like that for you? Or is there a lesson uh, learned? What is the lesson? I mean, is there one? I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe maybe there isn't one. But is there one that you walk away with? Well, I I, I learned I wasn't going to work with those uh, those people again. Mm-hmm. But I'll I don't know. I just because I've I've hosted some I've held so many retreats since. But yeah, just weighing risk, uh, not overcommitting, um, and uh, but also that it wasn't that big a deal <laughs> as well. Like it didn't it, losing that deposit was something I was able to survive. I just expensed it, kept going. And it's just the cost of doing business in the bigger picture. So you have to look at that and go, okay, that's not what this one experience cost me. That's what the cost of doing business cost me. Mm-hmm. So I right. take a more global right. uh, view of that. That's a very that's a very entrepreneurial type of mindset as well. Yep. Because there's a lot of projects that we do that either we're doing, like Mark said, we barter a lot. We offer a lot of things for free, you know, providing value to the community. There's and, lots of things and, we put money out for. Exactly. There's a lot of things we do that make us nothing or actually cost us. But globally, we look at how is this going to benefit our business and bring us forward in the future? And in that sense, you know, sometimes losing $3,000 today, today you're like, shit, there goes $3,000. Mm. Later on, you're like nope. that $3,000 made me, you know, $30,000. No problem. That's yeah. fine. That's right. So say other people who had uh, signed up for that, they just moved with me to another uh, venue at another time. So I didn't lose that um, that clientele, for example, who wanted to to study with me. So that global picture, for sure, like volunteering, I've always volunteered. 
uh, in community as well. It's, it's, um, I just uh, feel um, as a, as my own personal values, that's very important. But then uh, we go in as, you know, who we are, we sort of wear our, um, our roles in our community as well, which is one of the things I love about massage therapy too. I love feeling like I, I, and, and, and with the yoga that I do, like now I'm, um, I've been doing uh, yoga, um, trauma-informed yoga for uh, addiction support. And I've trained a number of people in that. And I volunteer my time in the community for that. And I've become involved with the harm reduction sort of grassroots uh, community here. And, and that's all, uh, that's all volunteer. And it's, um, it's just very meaningful personally to me. Now, does that um, add to my business? I think it adds to my reputation yes. in the community. Yeah. yeah, which which does add to your business because yeah. that was actually going to be my next piece for you is 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 a test in self awareness, meaning there are people that do similar things that you do, and you're very successful at doing them. So, what is it about you that people like working with you? Like, why you? Do you know why you? Uh, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, I've had people come up to me and tell me how much they appreciate uh, the lack of ego that I bring bring into the space. Um, I've had people say that to me over the years a few times, different people, or, or appreciate how I handle situations that might arise between uh, between participants. Uh, in a in a group setting, whether it's a weekend or a week long uh, activity, and then just the and the knowledge base I've developed as well, how I've been able to take massage therapy to the mat in yoga and creatively, um, you know, people people will write me after they've taken one of my workshops and say you know, they'll write me a couple of days later and say, I'm already using what you taught in my practice. So I get a lot of repeat people mm-hmm. in my in my massage therapy uh, courses, which is really lovely. Don't you? You probably do too. And you just love seeing that. Um, makes you feel like you're doing something right. Yeah, definitely. When we first started out teaching continuing ed, we, you know, we were we wanted to make sure that we were providing the quality that people are, were expecting. We were meeting expectations or exceeding, exceeding. expectations. And so we would uh, give out course evaluations at the end of every course, like, you know, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you'd want to improve. And we took them very seriously. And we made sure that we were listening to suggestions and adding on to our courses. And um, it got to a point after a few years where you know, all the evaluations were coming back so positive that we thought maybe, you know, we don't. And then I started seeing all of these repeat students, like you just said. And I would say to Mark, like, you must have been awesome in that like TMJ course, because this person just took that with you. And like, you know, it finished on Sunday afternoon, Monday morning, she just bought your joint mobilization course or your like, we started seeing the same people buying more and more courses. And yeah, that's a huge compliment and speaks to you know the 
the quality of what you're doing, right? People are coming back because you've built up some trust and some loyalty with your your clientele. Yeah, very much. I, I spend a lot of uh, time on evaluations too. I think they're very important and I take them very seriously. I study my butt off. I study and study and study. I don't assume I know anything. Hmm. I've always studied and I've always been... Um, you know, fairly evidence-based. I, I actually uh, authored an amateur study on uh, the health benefits of yoga for seniors in uh, my Vermont community. I got a small grant for that. And uh, we did measurements of strength, flexibility, and uh, balance afterward. We, di- we didn't do measurements of, of um, mind state because that was just too uh, tricky to measure right. in, a, in a study a low, you know, amateur level study like that. But I've just always been very interested in that side of things. I find it interesting that um, evidence-informed and all all of these things are becoming almost, um, I don't know, catchwords Mm -hmm. or they're trendy. I've always included them in my, in my courses. They're, Mm -hmm. they're inherent in the teaching. So, but they seem to have been kind of, extracted and become their own thing now it's the uh, the word of the day <laughs> they're yeah. trendy so wait let me let me just uh, my job on this podcast is to sometimes summarize i've been listening to lee talk and i've heard you know massage therapist yoga therapist massage therapy instructor yoga instructor yoga teacher trainer retreat host um now i've heard researcher i've success. heard author there's you know you've done a lot of a things lot of within this realm and obviously been successful what does your career path or what does your career look like today and where is it going What's what's next for you? Like what it, what are all the things you're doing right now? Are you still involved in some way in all of these different aspects? I'm not uh, doing hands-on massage therapy right now. The work I do one-on-one with clients is mostly with yoga therapy. At this point, I, I maintain my license. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like being part of a regulated healthcare profession. It uh, it uh, and I find it very helpful when I'm working with people in other aspects of healthcare, as I do in relation to uh, harm reduction and that sort of thing. Uh, and and I keep that door open. But I have I don't currently have hands-on massage therapy patients. Uh, mostly yoga therapy, yoga classes. During lockdown, I went online. I developed. A, I, I taught all kinds of online uh, yoga and short courses for massage therapists. So I have a library of three hour courses on pelvic health care uh, using yoga, uh, yoga for scoliosis, all of these different elements, integrating remedial exercise into clinical practice. That is a popular one. And um, I'm still leading retreats. I've got a retreat that I'm just uh, putting the final um, uh, strokes on that will be in Paris, Greece for May 2024. Oh, uh, yeah, very excited about that one. And my other big project that I'm very excited about right now is Sadhana Entrepreneur, which is my um, creating this manual uh, that has an accompanying uh, uh, recording of me going through the manual, which explains to people exactly the kind of thing that we're talking about, how to grow laterally in your RMT practice, uh, including elements like uh, moving online, leading 
courses, developing courses, leading retreats, developing retreats, weighing risk, uh, and all, you know, all those elements that are involved, like you, um, Mark had mentioned about marketing, the importance of marketing, uh, and also for me, connections. And, you know, I just bring so much experience into this. And I've had so many people, RMTs, tell me they want to do this. That's my big thing right now. I want to bring this to them. So many things I want to ask about. So first is, let's, I want to go back to the retreats. How do you decide on the location of where you're going to go? You know, over the years, uh, because I've had a, a website for uh, many, many years where I post all of the retreats I'm offering. And um, I just, a number of host venues contact me. Uh, and they have over the years. So the place on Maui, I found on my own because I was on Maui teaching in a massage therapy school, leading retreats locally. Uh, so there's two kinds of retreats. There's there's retreats where people retreat to the location but find their own accommodation. Mm-hmm. And there's retreats where I accommodate, I handle all the accommodation and et cetera for people. Uh, so then that's how I found that one. But well, I'll be, um, places will, oh, the Barbados, that was a, a neighbor of mine who was actually one of my uh, uh, neighbors and a student in Nova Scotia who owned these two spectacular side-by-side villas in Barbados. And he gave me a really great price on them. And I rented them both. And I took a a group of yogis. That was all uh, yoga people for that one. The Maui was massage therapists and yoga teachers and whoever else wanted to go. Barbados was all yoga. Um, but then who's going to Greece? The Greece was uh, that when I received an email last May, I took a group to uh, Bordeaux to a chateau in Bordeaux. That was because I received an email uh, information. I thought, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can see myself on a 50 acre vineyard in Bordeaux. Um, so we did that one. And that was fantastic. And, and you know what? That launched a whole three week trip for me that I was able to partially expense because of running this, um, this retreat. This, uh, and so the one in, in Greece is quite special because she has a beautiful yoga studio and accommodations. And it's on this Island of Paros, which is, and just, you can just walk to the beaches from there and it's adorable. And I'm, I'm very excited about it. So I can, I can take about, 20 people to that one. It, it sort of depends if people do, this is the other thing, if people do single or double occupancy, mm, um, right. that kind of thing. So who, but who are the the clients going with you to Greece? Are you, are these people who want to do yoga teacher training? Like what is this, this retreat or who is this retreat targeted at? Both uh, say the, the Bordeaux one and the Greece one and the Barbados one from the past. And, and uh, one of the Cuba ones, were for people are for people who want a week of yoga. Okay. A trip. And then one of the other Cuba ones was for massage therapists to take a a kitchen education course in a beautiful location. Uh, And then all of the ones on Maui have been primarily for massage therapists. And then I teach them on Salt Spring. And even before I moved to Salt Spring, I was bringing people to Salt Spring. And then we were in retreat at a, couple of the different retreat centers here. And now when I bring people to Salt Spring, I sometimes I take a retreat center or some mostly I'll take a, a local venue and people arrange their own accommodation. Yeah. 
Very cool. So there's, there's like three or four different ways I run these, depending on who I'm targeting and the kind of venue I'm creating. So then in when I go to places like um, other countries, it's generally all inclusive. They get at least not every meal, but they get the accommodations and the, the activity and some of the meals. And I usually, I always organize an event for people and going out on a boat or something. Or some sort of excursion. A couple things then going back to, there's just two major things I wanted to touch on. Going back to the idea of volunteering and community and all the rest of it. This one's more of a comment than anything else, especially when you're doing these types of lateral moves, that kind of stuff is so important. Like mm-hmm. we run, like we're organizers and part owners of the Canadian Massage Conference. And a lot of the people that we have coming in, they're they're coming because they want the exposure of being in front of a lot of people and um, being in front of a different audience than they already have, getting exposure to people, an audience that they would have never had. And I find it interesting, someone that is very short-sighted and is like, I need to get paid for this or I can't come and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll give you an example. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'll give you this example anyway. We reached out to someone who we know has started a business, being a business coach. Helping massage therapists. For massage therapists. Yeah. And we invited you to come and teach as a long as long of a course or short of a course as you wanted to. And yes, it's a it might be a five hour drive away. But we can also land you in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of your potential clients. And it really threw me off when someone's like, you know what, it's not worth it to me because I'm not getting paid for that. And I was like, I think there's so many pieces that are missing here from this. And I love how you spoke about the volunteering and the community and and how you might not even have seen that in the moment of that is helping with my business. That is helping build Mm -hmm. my brand. That is helping with my exposure. That was the first kind of comment. The second thing is, now this one's a question. When you're talking about that lateral growth, that building out, how much of that do you think needs to be coming from a place of passion or does passion not matter for you? So for example, Nikki comes on our couch a lot of the time and one of her unpopular opinions was passion's overrated. And I understand what she means by that. Basically, she says, listen, you might really love what you're doing or you might love to do something. That doesn't mean it's a good business idea. You know, when it comes down to making money, go find something that that you're good at that provides value and therefore you can get paid to do it. And it might not be something you're passionate about, but you're good at it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of entrepreneurial mindsets that are of that. It's who cares about your fucking passion. Go do that in your off time. Find something you're good at that brings value that people will pay for it. So I'm curious when you are speaking to other people about this lateral growth, does that ever come up? about the passion or the not need for passion or the need for passion? Like, how does that work for you? And, yeah, I, I, and I recognize I it's that. different for everybody. I heard that episode, by the way. Um, you know, generally, I'm very fortunate because I love what I do. I've always loved what I do. It, you know, it's it's my lifestyle. It's uh, so I'm, I'm very, very fortunate that way. Uh, otherwise, philosophically, I, I believe that uh, you need passion in your life. If it's not what you do for work, you need it somewhere you else. Need somewhere else, you just, yes. You just need to have it. You know, if I'm very lucky, it is in my work, 
But if, if it's not in your work, you, you, you need something, you need something else that's going to help you in your work. You need discipline. Uh, you need uh, a motivation uh, as well. Uh, I mean, it, for everything I do, um, it, it's, it's not uh, altruistic. I mean, like, I like making money. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. This is working. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to do more of this. Right. Um, and, and I like doing it. So that's, uh, you know, so that's a part of it, but uh, for sure. Um, but I would say I, I, I feel for people that don't have something in their life that that gives them passion. Where you are now, I mean, you're it sounds like you sort of hit this sweet spot. You know, like you said, you love what you do and you found ways to make good money doing what you're doing and involving a whole bunch of different things that you're passionate like yoga and teaching and you know helping other people who have this entrepreneurial entrepreneurial mindset or this growth mindset they want to do things but when you were talking earlier about those days when you were doing the yoga teacher training and you're working as a therapist or running a clinic and you had your daughter and you know you're coming home you'd spend just half an hour to yourself a day and then, you know, spending time with her and helping her with homework, all of these things. I want to be real about that period of your life. How sure. was there ever a time where you were like, I have taken on too much? Was there ever a time where you thought I, I've i gotten in too deep or was there always a it's OK, I'm hustling now. This is hard now, but it's going to pay off. Or were there days where you're like, I, something's got to give. I don't know what I've gotten myself into here. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm happy to take that on. And I'll say that there was, those were my minimum, my days when say I had half an hour for self-care yoga at the end of the day. I would also do things like ride my bike back and forth to work. But I would have at least two days a week where I could do a two-hour yoga practice uh, because I was, wasn't in my clinic every day, but yeah, for sure. I was single parenting at that time. I was in a yoga teacher training program and the yoga teacher training program I was in was, um, it was a three-year training program and it was, it was really, uh, really tough. It was a really, really tough program. I, I, I don't have actually, I don't know, um, what I would say about uh, some elements of that. I, I, it was, a. Uh, I came out of it with a lot and, and, uh, but I had hard times and I've taught, um, yoga self-care to massage therapists. And I refer to that part of my life, uh, when I teach about that, because I definitely went through some challenging times there too, uh, with a teenage daughter, uh, with a demanding schedule, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. So just, um, and there were, t- there were times when, <laughs> maybe it's because I'm a Capricorn, but I thought I'm going to get my investment back from this. Mm. I've put a lot into this. I'm not quitting. I'm getting back on my, I'm getting back on my investment and mm. what I've put into these other activities right now, like the yoga teacher training program. And I have, I have in, in spades, uh, but certainly there's times where, and I hear other massage therapists say, you know, they, they're, they get home. They don't want to talk to anybody. And it right. can be a real challenge with family and relationships and whatnot, because they're talking all day uh, to their patients and they get home and they just want quiet time to themselves. And I know that can be really hard. So in a way, when I say j- taking just 20 minutes, isn't like meaning 
I only have 20 minutes. I'm saying that 20 minutes is profound. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never done yoga in a serious way at all. Yoga to me seems addictive. Yoga to me seems like, like golf. Yoga to me seems you can't, like you can't see her face, but she's just big smiling as it, you're saying. Yoga to me seems it seems addictive. It's because it's 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 just, it's you against you. I can imagine it's like golf. Like I could do this better, or I'm getting better. I want to get better, and it's just this con. I, I, is it like that? <laughs> I feel like it's before, addictive. Before Lee says anything, because yeah. Lee's the the yoga expert. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a novice that enjoys yoga. Because this is how I hear people but, describe golf, and 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 just thinking about it now, I'm like, I bet you yoga's. Like it's that interesting too. that you uh, compared it to golf. I would not think it's like golf, but I feel that most people that I interact with that they they live a yoga lifestyle and i mean do you guys know what i mean when i say that right like yoga is very much a lifestyle okay. um yeah. people that are really into yoga right. i get the feel it's never you against you like when you said that right away my i went wait a second it's never exactly. you against you because the whole idea of yoga and the um the mentality behind it yeah. is you are just there with your body and yep. you're letting everything else go and there's no yeah. like I want to get better it's really? I'm going to do what my my body's going to allow me to do really? today because this feels good and it's helping me and really and it, it took me a long time to actually understand that when I started I doing come from a, you you're you come, I come from, from a sport a, I come from a so, workout world yes, right yes. where it's still all of those same things it's still me and I'm enjoying it and I'm in my body and all but it's also I want to lift a little bit. But yoga is also not just a physical practice, right? Like yoga yeah. is very much a a spiritual thing, a mental thing, an emotional thing. And when I first started hmm. doing it in my early twenties, um, I was in shape in the sense that I was also I come from the fitness world, right? Yeah. So I was in the gym all the time. I was weight training, um, and when I started doing yoga, which forced me to slow down a little bit more, forced me to pay a lot more attention to every joint in my body and what it was doing and how things. We're moving. I it, I can't describe it any more than saying it is the one thing that actually allowed me to have a real body awareness and mm. actually feel what's going on. Um, breathing. I don't think I ever paid attention to my breath before starting to do yoga. But when I first started, I will tell you, because of that fitness mentality, all I was doing at first, and I mean, I joke now with my yoga friends, I'm like, I was just doing it wrong. Uh, but all I was doing was I was so focused on watching this you know yoga teacher at the front of the room who's so graceful and right. perfect and i'm like i want to like, look like that. that and i was i wasn't listening to my body i was mm. doing exactly the opposite i was trying to do the postures perfectly See, i wasn't I don't get yoga i yeah i you know anytime gonna... that they would try to explain like do what feels good to you i was doing the opposite i was pushing myself because you know the this person beside me had you know her her leg all the way up beside her ear and I'm like well I want to do that but that's not the purpose of it so I'm going to let Lee really weigh in now but when you said you against you I was like no because it's well, I just it's mean, so non-competitive yeah, yoga <laughs> I, I but for me everything is, is is competitive even if it's not serious so I might not be serious about the competition that I'm in but I'm also well aware of where I stand in this competition 
competition. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, having a class and being an educator, it's sort of a competition that I have with myself. But I'm also very fully aware that this competition is not real. None of it matters. But it doesn't change the fact I know where I sit in this continuing education field. I know where I sit in this podcasting thing. I know where I sit being a bass player and a musician. I know where I sit in the ranks. The ranks aren't all that important, but I'm still very mindful of where I sit in the ranks. Well, let me uh, let me say something now. And I, I noticed that um, right away, uh, also Amanda, that the against, whereas I would say it's you with you. Yes. And, and that's hard for some people mm. too, um, to be with themselves. But uh, to um, I'll, I'll say a little something about my uh, yoga as I teach and practice it is there's a number of ways uh, one can come to the mat. Uh, you may come to your yoga mat to study. So that will involve uh, looking up poses, thinking about how to approach a pose, how are you going to develop your sequence today and your practice to help you approach that pose so you can come closer to doing it. Maybe today will be the day that you'll actually get your leg up behind your right, shoulder right. as a result of the way you set up your practice. And so that's the coming to the mat to study, to learn. And then there's days where you come to the mat and this was, Mark, you would like this more. This is where you come to the mat and you're gonna get down and dirty and you're gonna try, you're gonna do five handstands. You're gonna do five arm bounces or maybe you're only gonna do two, maybe you're only gonna do three, but you're gonna aim for five and no matter how ugly it gets, you're gonna try and do another one. Right. And that's how you de develop your neuromuscular system uh, in order to develop your practice. And then there's days uh, where you come to the mat and you come to the mat to consolidate. And you're not doing any of those other things. You're simply following a sequence that maybe um, is already in front of you, or you just follow intuitively what you want to do. But there's no thinking, there's no self-judging, there's no planning. Mm. You just you just do the practice and receive it for what it is. So those are these are different ways you can come to the to the mat. That's for the asana practice. And there's the pranayama practice. You have to do. Uh, the breath work, um, it just, you have to come to that uh, non-competitively every every time. You can't be competitive with pranayama. You can hurt yourself. I did hurt myself in February, I will tell you. I, uh, I stopped really practicing yoga for about three years. Um, COVID really kicked the shit out of my mental health, I think. But as somebody who's like very public and doing stuff, I didn't really like I didn't really come out and say that, but I know myself, like I was, I was doing none of the things I liked anymore. Like instead of, you know, when you'd see people like during lockdowns, learning how to bake bread or working out or doing all this stuff, I just stopped doing all the things like I, anyway. So after three years of not doing yoga, I got an email when my birthday was coming out from the yoga studio that I used to go to very regularly before COVID. And they said, your birthday's coming up. Um, you know, welcome back and come take a free class on your birthday. And I was like, this is my sign. I need to go back to the studio and I need to go do yoga again. So I signed up for a very easy, when I say easy, I signed up for a, um, a type of class that a beginner could do. You know, it was very, it's, was very slow, a lot of breath work, very relaxing. And I said, that's the perfect thing for me to do for my birthday. And then I show up to the studio and the person that normally um, leads that class, her children were sick. So there was another 
another person there that was going to be leading the class. And she said to me, oh, we're not doing that class today. We're doing this class today, which was a much more athletic type of class. And she said, don't worry, come in, join in, just do what you can. And those words went in one ear and out the other. And (laughs) suddenly I was 21 again and saying, you know, I can do this. This is easy. And, you know, after about the fifth flow in a row where nothing, you know, we were doing a very quick flow and a lot of, um, needed a lot of muscular control. And after about the fifth one, my back was screaming and I kept going for six and seven Mm. and ended up injuring myself and not being able to work out for five weeks. Oh, that's a hard story. You know, the, the style of yoga I teach, um, is very methodical and it builds. So it's very easy for me to start with a certain, uh, base level of a pose and that everybody's going to be able to do. And then I'll go to the next level of the pose and I'll say, okay, some of you repeat what we just did. Some of you will want to try the next level of the pose and then we'll go to the next level of the pose. Mm -hmm. Some of you will stay with what you did previously. And some of you will go to the next level of this pose. And I, it's very non-judgmental and very welcoming. and, And I, I, people, um, will do that. They'll stay with whatever uh, level of the post because it's not like they're doing nothing. They've been given something that they can do. They're not left out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. You're not, you're not like, what are you going to do if you don't do that next round? Yeah. Uh, as you were describing, I give people these different choices so that they're always uh, a participant. And that's I think it's, it's very helpful mentally for people. Uh, to be able to do that. I want to go back to something you said before, if I could, uh, about the um, the coach, the person who didn't want to teach the coach in class. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if I don't have to spend a lot of money on travel or whatever, I, I don't miss an opportunity to put myself out there as an expert. Right. It definitely threw us it blew my mind because we do. We definitely have more of that type of mentality where it's it's not even just that we're always thinking every opportunity is going to grow our business, but it's also like what you were saying with your volunteer work, Lee, it's important to give back to the community You're a little creating bit. value for other people. Yeah. And it's just being, being a presence at certain events, you know, as Mark said, we just came back from Winnipeg. We brought the whole team. He had to work his butt off so that we could all go, but we all really appreciated that because even though we weren't getting paid to be there and do all of this stuff, it was creating value and helping other people. And so, yeah, that really kind of threw us a little bit that this person didn't, didn't see any value in coming And, you know, the reason that we actually reached out to this person was because we saw that they were were trying to grow a business and looking through some of the social media and their website, we thought this, this person's good. They just need an audience. Like let's, let's reach out and see if we can help them out. So we were actually trying to help. So yeah, when we got the response back, like, oh, this sounds cool, but I'm going to pass because you're not paying me. We were like, oh. Okay. You know, there's there's variations on the on this theme, right? I have also, you know, been asked to um, you know do a, a free yoga something for an organization that I know is is making money uh, and, and and making a you know good money. So then, in that case, I might I might turn them down. Or I've had I've had somebody you know come to a yoga class of mine and want to take the class for free and 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 try to you know 
tell me it's like karma yoga for me to let them take the class for free. And I'll say, no, my karma yoga is going and serving free food in the park on Sunday, you know, uh, but for me to be able to do that, I have to make a a living too. You know, I'm not a, a priest who can stand and give away bread on the, on the corner all day. So I need, I'm a, I'm a worldly person. I need to make my income too. So, you know, there's different, different ways of, of going with all of it, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I have an opportunity to, uh, to show oneself as a, as an expert in a venue that's where you're, where you're assured you're going to have uh, people there. That's an opportunity. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would like I, to give an opportunity <laughs> right now because yes, I know that, good. I know that, uh, you know, you are still doing a lot of things and your mission right now is helping other therapists and helping people to get to the sweet spot that you've managed to get through to, through a lot of hustling, a lot of hard work and some passion. Um, would you like to give out your website, any contact information, socials for anybody who's interested in connecting with you? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to do this. I have a I have a few uh, here. Um, my website is sadhanayoga.ca, and I'll spell that. It's S A D H A N A Yoga.ca. Uh, sadhana means practice in Sanskrit. Um, it's also my email address is lee at sadhanayoga.ca, lee being L-E-I-G-H. All the silent letters. All the silent letters. <laughs> uh, my YouTube channel is Lee Ann Milne. Uh, got an E in every one of those words. <laughs> I'll link this all as well when I write the show notes for our episode. And then my uh, my shop for my uh, on-demand courses is Yoga dot ca forward slash shop that should cover it and thanks for the opportunity to share that yeah this was thank good. you this was a lot of fun and um i will wait for all of you guys to let me know where is mark's happy place <laughs> that lee has also visited and the only clue you get is shark bite capital that <laughs> by the way if they google that jig is up, up. <laughs> Where everyone shows you their shark bite scars. Yeah. <laughs> the guy playing guitar Are at the bar. Are you a surfer, Mark? No, I'm not. And I'm, I would be scared to, man, because I probably look like a turtle from, <laughs> from underneath the water. And the shark's just going to say, ooh, big turtle. Let me go get that. Yeah, we visited enough times to know that um, it was all the surfers. Like Mark said, we were sitting in a, a bar one time when we were there vacationing. Guy playing guitar. And the, there was a guy playing live music at the venue. And he came and sat with us and had a drink after his set and he was showing us his shark bites. I was on Shark Week, guys. (laughs) You know, just uh, this morning I saw a post in um, a Facebook group for that region. Now, this was at Cape Canaveral um, National Park, but this guy was out for his uh, daily walk and he saw an alligator yep, swim out into the ocean. Yes. He says, so there's, there's alligators out there now too. Yep. Yep. Oh, I saw boy. something like that. Yes. It was like, woo. <laughs> well, let's see who gets the answer correct. And uh, Lee, thank you so much for hanging out with this us tonight. Awesome. It was very refreshing to talk to someone who has uh, made such a successful career and has done so many so many different things it's really cool like mark said all the things we can do it it keeps me going because i get to talk to all of you guys and hear about all the cool stuff people are doing oh thanks so much and i really appreciate what you're doing too as i said i think the the 
massage media is just a great concept. Fantastic. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Bruce.